Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, Teresa Wilson is our very special guest as we continue our Lisk series. And for those just joining in, uh, Lisk is our Long Island serial killing series that we do once a week here. And although Teresa's story has uh, has nothing specifically to do with Long Island. Um, she is the sister of a victim uh, of a serial killer. A very and again, I, I, the assumption is they're all sick, but this is this is a uh, an individual who's sick beyond even a ser- serial killer's um, worst nightmare. Uh, and his name is Randy Kraft, is the killer, still alive. Uh, unfortunately, Teresa's brother is not. He died at the very young age of 20 years old, and he was a Marine uh, serving you know, in the armed forces for his country and was murdered by this lunatic, Randy Kraft, who's still, uh, is still alive. Uh, Teresa, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. The, the description I give... Of uh, of Randy Kraft, I, I I mean it couldn't be more accurate, right? Even as serial killers go, this guy's uh, as sick as they can get. Um, yes, I I refer to him as subhuman. Um, he's horrific. What he's done is just horrific. It's indescribable. No, he's not one of those that became. I mean, of, of course, he's known in the you know when you do your research, but he's not one of those who became. Uh, as well known as some of the others. I mean, why? Why is that? Why is? Uh, I've, I've asked. I've asked myself that several times. You, um, he was killing at the same time that William Bonin, the freeway killer, was, and I think that that's what the problem was. Is William Bonin was getting all the notoriety, if you can call it that, instead of the scorecard killer, and I think that's what overshadowed, but he actually killed more than William Bonin, the freeway killer. Yeah, the, the scorecard killer is what Randy Kraft became known as. Can you explain to the audience why he got that nickname and how he got that nickname? Um, when they arrested him, he had a dead body in the front seat with him, and in his glove box, he had a list with notations um, and they refer to it as his scorecard, uh, such as my brother, Richard Keith, on the scorecard was Carson Marine because he was picked up in the Carson area. Um, he had different notations such as diabetic for one, just different um, lists, and it was bloodstained. Um, we're figuring that was part of his trophy, but that's what they called him the scorecard because he had kept a list. And we figured that was just to keep notations of what he had done. It's just an amazing breed of of individuals. I mean, this one is keeping, you know, like you said, trophies. He's keeping as his trophy the the scorecard, and that's how he got the the nickname. Your brother was Richard Allen Keith, and yes. you know, I mean, he was uh, he was a Marine. What can you tell us about your brother? Well, my brother and I were. Um, I actually have six older brothers and an older sister, and we were all separated as children and put into an orphanage. And we had recently um, been reunited, and we had not been back together but a few years. And 
this had happened. He was he was a very um, happy person. He was very kind-hearted. Um, it was very exciting to find out that I had these brothers, and we were trying to build a relationship, and Randy Kraft stole that from me and from our family simply because my brother made the wrong decision and got in the car with a stranger. Um, and, you know, Richard was upbeat. He was serving his country and willing to give his life for his country, and Randy Kraft just snuffed him out for no reason, just I don't even know why. He tortured him, just did horrible things to him. You know, it's, it's very upsetting, you know, when you have to read about he ate cupcakes with his family and celebrated his birthday in prison and gets to listen to CDs and has pen pals. My brother didn't even know what a computer or a CD was, and it's just a shame. He was taken in his prime in 1978, and uh, again, someone serving our country and uh, proudly as a Marine, and it, you got uh, you got to imagine he had the... Uh, he, he had a long, healthy life ahead of him, if not for running into Randy Kraft, a very sick man, and still, still living. I think he's in his 70s, 72, 73. 72, 72. he just turned 72. And I just, it, it's it's unbelievable. Frank McKay here with Teresa Wilson, and Teresa is the, the sister of Richard Allen Keith. One of the victims of Randy Kraft, the serial killer, the scorecard killer, as they called him. I, are you in touch with any of the families of the other victims? Um, I'm on several boards on the Internet, and I have spoken to two or three people. Um, there is one gentleman that has contacted me that is doing some research on family members, and he has put me in contact with a man, his uncle, was killed by him. And then there was a man that actually had an encounter with Randy Kraft and got away from him. And I'm trying to contact with him, which I haven't done that yet. But with it being so long ago, you know, it's hard. You know, this was over 35 years ago. So a lot of people don't show interest. And, you know, one thing I'd like to throw in, Randy Kraft was sentenced to death on my birthday. And I would like to have my birthday present. Mm. But I don't think I'm ever going to get that. So wow! And when when was that? When was he sentenced to death? Um, let's see. He's been there. It was thirty. I think it's thirty five years ago. I was I was just um, eighty two years old. Yeah, I think it might have been eighty two or eighty three. I have to look to be exact. Yeah, and what, what do you think of? Uh, what do you think of something like that? Obviously, uh, you know, you, you call him subhuman, and uh, it. Uh, you know, no, I can't imagine anybody arguing with you that this uh, this man is subhuman. What, what do you think about the the idea that we're using taxpayers' money to keep a guy like this alive? And uh, go ahead, just uh, tell me your thoughts on that. Well, I feel that you know, as human beings, we really don't have a right to judge who lives and who dies. But I think in certain circumstances, such as this, where this man is so violent, he could never be rehabilitated, I think that he deserves to be executed. I think that the money that they use to keep these serial killers and horrible, horrible people in prison for years and years and years, it's just a waste. They should take that money and help 
people that really need help and appreciate the help. Randy Kraft has three meals a day, free medical care, all of that, and there's homeless veterans standing on the street holding signs that they don't have anywhere to live or food to eat, and I just that confuses me. That's, that's the way I... You, you mentioned that he was sentenced to death. What happened? They changed the law? Um, yeah, California has not executed anyone um, for a long time. Now, I know William Bonin was the first man that was given a lethal injection by that execution. And um, I know he was done that way. But California, um, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor, I wrote several letters and I actually wrote so many letters, they asked me to stop writing letters, and they were going to file harassment charges against me. Wow. Because I told them I was willing to come and execute him myself if they let me be in a room with him alone first, and with a bat, and I'm sure lots of other family members would like to do that, but yeah, it's it's just really mixed up. I, I don't understand. There's There's too many of them that are on death row for years and years, and I know there's innocent people. But he is not innocent. I mean, he had a dead body in the car with him and pictures. He, you know, he's a necrophiliac. He had pictures of him in his car, of what he had done with them. He had taken them back to his garage and stuff, and we don't know if they were alive or dead or in the process of it. I mean, I can't, my mind can't even go there how someone could think to do stuff like that. And unfortunately, it's it's given me a life sentence because it's made me become obsessed with serial killers and knowing everything about them. And I don't like that, but it's something I can't help. And anybody else that has had this happen would understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's it's a pleasure to speak to you, even though it's a dark subject, because you could shed some light on right. uh, on a very dark area that the rest of us, uh, fortunately, uh, will many of us will will never know, and we'll never mm-hmm. know that pain. Let me remind folks of who we're listening to. Uh, we're listening to the sister of Richard Allen Keith. He was a victim of serial killer Randy Kraft back in 1978. He was 20 years old. He was a Marine, and and uh, Randy Kraft, uh, one of the most notorious, just uh, unbelievable. Uh, serial killers frank mckay here with Teresa wilson and uh, she's kind enough to come on and and speak to us about uh this uh, the ordeal of being uh, one of those left behind a family member of a victim and uh, you, you know you um you, you mentioned uh being obsessed with this and in some ways i i, I don't know how you how you wouldn't be uh you know at least uh intrigued to the point where you're researching and you, everything else but a, a guy like randy Kraft, uh, he i think he even has a website right doesn't he even have a website up he's he seems to be i don't know what the uh, right way but he, he seems to be you know relishing in in his uh, celebrity am i reading that correctly um yes he actually has a hat that he knitted on sale on murderbilia sites, um, and he's never admitted to anything he's done. He won't speak to anyone or give an interview. Um, the few times that I've read and searched the Internet that he has given or said anything, as soon as they start talking about what he's done, he ends the interview. Um, I, like I said, I, I, I don't even know what to say about him. He, his mind just... My mind can't even comprehend 
what his mind would think. I'd, like I said, I, unfortunately, you know, I have to be a voice for my brother because he would do the same for me. And, you know, people need to speak out for the victims. Everybody's all about the serial killers, but, you know, there's a whole wall behind that of families that are serving life sentences while these killers are sitting on death row eating three meals a day and getting their free dental care, you know, and the families have to sit here and think about it. It's just, it's horrible. It's just horrible. Well, go back to the hat. You, you said that he's selling a hat on the internet. I, I mean, uh, do you yes, have on, yeah. on murderbilia.com they have where serial killers and um, people like that can do artwork and or if they write a letter to someone, people can they make money off of that. People who are obsessed, the weird people. I've had people write to me and want me to tell them in detail things that have happened to my brother and you know, they get their jollies that way, and that's kind of what murderabilia is. Are you in, are you entitled to know at least the information about what he sold? I mean, is that freedom of information? Should we um, do we assume that that you you have a knowledge of how many of these hats or whatever he's selling uh, that he sold as as the uh, victim's family member? Do you get any of that? Um, no. The only way I found out about that was by doing my own research. Um, as far as I know, he could possibly even write a book or make a movie. I, you know, I don't know about that. Like I said, I'm, I'm was going to call the prison because I decided I want to write him a letter and, uh, I tried to decide what I'm going to say to him because I don't want to entice him and make him relive everything. But, I, I want to. I feel the need to write him a letter. I've written the prison, but I haven't actually written to him. But they have a pen pal site for death row inmates, and he is on that. And he has a list of CDs he likes and what kind of music he wants to listen to and what you're allowed to send him and what he's allowed to have. And I, I, it just astonishes me. Yeah. And I don't. I, I know he's not running them. It's other people running it for him. But he does have family members, so I know he has a sister, is and his, I don't know who else. Is his sister in touch with him? I mean, is his sister keeps in touch. And well, I, I know that this past April, on his 72nd birthday, I read how he enjoyed cupcakes with his family on his birthday. I don't know what family, with him being that old, would be, but I do know he has a sister. Did he have children? Um, no, he was, he's a homosexual, always has been. I don't think he was ever married or had any children. Now, did the, uh, the victims that he attract, uh, that he, he attracted or, or that were unfortunate enough to, uh, come into his, uh, his world, um, what were they, what were they people that he, um, stalked uh, as sexual? Uh, um, well, um, all the the men that he killed were between a certain age. Um, I think the youngest one that he killed when he first started was like 14. Mm -hmm. But he liked a tall, dark-haired, thin man that was like in the Marines or uh, in the Army or something. That's what he enjoyed doing. And it was that age group and that certain look. Um, and... Most of them, he picked up hitchhiking or in bars. A lot of them, I think, were gay. 
My brother had gotten into an argument with his girlfriend, Alexa, was hitchhiking back to base. But he really liked young military men. That was his motive. I guess that must be because he was a little puny pipsqueak that that's why he was attracted to those kind of men is what I'm thinking because they were something he couldn't be. I don't know if that's true. That's what I think in my mind. Makes sense to me. We're, <laughs> we're speaking. Pictures of him, he's a pipsqueak. Well, we're speaking to... Uh, Teresa Wilson, she is the sister of one of the victims of a uh, horrendous serial killer. I mean, they were all obviously horrendous, but this th- this guy is is above and beyond. Even as serial killers go, as sick as they get, Randy Kraft, 72 years old, and he's, he's living his life out in prison. Um, something, living his life, uh, not something that was afforded to uh, Richard Allen Keith, and that's Teresa's brother. He died at 20 years old at the at the hands of Randy Kraft, 1978. And uh, yet, you know, as, as Teresa points out, uh, Randy Kraft, serial killer, uh, got to uh, enjoy cupcakes with his family on his 72nd uh, birthday, which is, uh, uh, you know, what's wrong with this picture is, is what comes to my uh, comes to mind. Uh, Frank McKay here with Teresa Wilson. Uh, and Teresa, getting getting back to, uh, you know, his methodology or or a little bit about um randy uh, randy craft did he have money i mean what did he do for a living how how did he what kind of car did he have what what did he um, what do you know about him um he was um extremely intelligent he had a high iq almost a genius level um and as far as what i know he was in computer tech is what he did. He worked in computers. He was in the Air Force when he was young, um, and he was discharged um, dishonorably from the Air Force. Um, I don't know what for. From what I've read, he had a very normal, loving upbringing. A mother, a father, and a sister wasn't beaten or abused when he was a child, so I don't know what started him to kill, but from what I read, which most serial killers are, he was very intelligent, and I do know he worked in the computers. And, you know, back then, uh, computers, uh, you know, it's, it's not as commonplace as, as it is now. That was in right. the early days uh, of that. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left in this segment. Do we have you for a second segment, Teresa? Do you have a sure. little time for us? I, sure. All right, so we got about a minute and a half left before we go to break. Uh, in, in about a minute and a half, uh, Teresa Wilson here with me, Frank McKay. Um, what do you have to say to everyone out there who hasn't experienced this? And, and again, in, in about a minute's uh, time, if you can kind of sum up what the families are going through uh, while, uh, again, these these people live their lives out in, in prison. What do I have to say to the families that have not been through this? Well, yeah, those of us who don't who haven't lived this out. Actually, I'm going to ask you after the break uh, to, to address that. We're coming up on a, uh, on a quick break, uh, but, but in general, we don't know. I mean, the, the rest of us that haven't had a, uh, someone uh, victimized, someone close to us, some, uh, a family member uh, taken from us by a serial killer. I, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a, you know, a bond between all of you, uh, right. uh, you know, who have experienced that, that we simply don't know. Again, we're coming up on a break. Don't address it now. But when we come back, I, I would okay. love for you to uh, kind of 
uh, delve deep and kind of let us know what um, what fortunately we're we're missing um, that uh, that you have to deal with on a, on a daily basis. Frank McKay here, part of our list series. Teresa Wilson is our very special guest. She's the sister of Richard Allen Keith, who's one of the victims of serial killer Randy Kraft, who. In, uh, in 1978, took the life of Teresa's brother, Richard Allen Keith. He was 20 years old. He was a Marine. And uh, Randy Kraft, uh, 72 years old, enjoyed uh, cupcakes with his family in, in prison. Uh, Frank McKay here with Teresa Wilson when we come back on Breaking Town. We'll be back right after this. Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back. To breaking it down, Frank McKay here. As part of our LISC series, we are speaking to uh, a family member of one of the victims of a serial killer, having nothing to do with Long Island, other than the uh, the fact that she uh, she certainly could could speak to the feelings that the victims' families of the uh, the serial killers or any serial killer could relate with uh, something that, uh, fortunately, uh, we can't. And uh, those of us who haven't experienced this or, or had a family member lost to a, uh, to a serial killer, I couldn't understand. Um, scorecard killer was uh, Randy Kraft, and he's still alive at 72 years old, living his life out in prison. He took the life of uh, Richard Allen Keith, who was a 20-year-old at the time, Marine, 1978, and his sister is Teresa Wilson, and she is our very special guest. Welcome back, Teresa. Thank you. Uh, getting back to you know the emotions that uh, that go along with this, you say uh, you're serving a life sentence because you're now obsessed with this this concept, and and obviously it's dark and it's negative. Uh, look, I, I know since I started this series, it's a very negative thing to deal with it's a, a very negative thing to to talk about um it's dark i mean it's it's dark stuff and and while you're thinking and while you're talking about it even not being connected to it it's a it's a whole different mindset and again it's uh, it, it, it there's no other way to put it other than it's a very negative situation uh, you're in a situation where your brother was taken from you by this uh this insane person this serial killer who took the lives of so many other young men but what what would you tell us what can you share with us that your life has been like since this you mentioned obsession obsession with serial killing and and studying them how obsessed have you been what have you what have you done since that death well i I have became obsessed, um, for one, because I didn't understand why he wasn't executed. Um, that started my obsession, and then I started watching shows and researching and reading about serial killers because I was so interested to see how their minds would work. Um, my brother was six foot six, a 20 year old Marine. He was very strong. Um, Randy Kraft would coax him into the vehicle with alcohol or drugs, and uh, my brother had sleeping pills in his system, an extremely high dose, so he obviously was drugged. Um, that's how he got them, you know, to be able to do what he did. Um, and it's, unless it's happened to you, it's, it's, it's just 
eat eats at your insides. It's it's so disturbing. You want justice. You want to feel like you're getting them back. Not revenge. You want justice. There's a difference. I'm I'm a very um, calm, laid back person. But he aggravates me so much and infuriates me, even to this day, 35 years later, I can still cry about it. Um, it's, it's scary. You wonder, you know, is it going to happen to me? Um, you know, it, it, it changes your whole outlook of everyone. You don't trust people like you normally would. You're always wondering what's going on across the street. Could he be a killer? It just changes everything. It affects my every, Everything I do or say or look or feel, it just affects everything. It's, it's so horrific because you never think it's going to happen to you. It's one of those things you see at the movies. But, you know, unfortunately, it's not a movie for me. I, I live it every day. Yeah, it's it's just an amazing and a unique situation to be in the victim uh, family of uh, of a serial killer. And again, Teresa Wilson is our very special guest. She is the sister of Richard Allen Keith, who was killed by serial killer, uh, the scorecard killer. He was called Randy Kraft, who's still, uh, again, uh, 72 years old, still alive. Uh, you you mentioned the idea that that you're feeling this or you're obsessed with this simply because he wasn't put to death. Do you honestly believe that if he was put to death, that it would have given you and the other victims' families uh, some closure and, and you could have gone a, kind of moved on with your life? Yes, I, I 100% believe that because I have every day I get on my computer and I look to see if he's died. And I shouldn't have to do that. And I feel that... If he was executed, at least I know he would be in hell and getting his time served and his justice that he deserves. That's the way I feel. Now, like I said, I know a lot of people don't agree with the death penalty, and, you know, I I just think in some circumstances it's just necessary. And that's what that's what makes you obsessed. It's just like every single day I, I do, I get online and I look. I check to see if he died. I'm hoping, you know to see if he's died, but unfortunately he hasn't yet. So he's not going to die the way that I would like him to die anyway, and I'm sure all the other family members would like him to die. He's going to die a nice, calm death, you know, of old age probably. So it's just not fair, and my brother's laying in the ground. It's just not fair. You know, the one thing that that in any argument that I uh, I, I look at is is what's the – What's the downside or what's the upside? I, I can't think of a downside of executing a a serial killer, you know, somebody who just took innocent lives just out of sickness. I, I, and I can't think of an upside of the state or, or activist or whatever, you know, keeping him alive. I mean, the upside of 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 keeping uh, a, 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 you know, convicted murderer alive is what if they were wrong what if and there's been cases like that all over the place i mean he was he was found with a dead body in his car in the front seat of his car this guy i mean this is uh i I mean and and he has shown no either remorse or he's shown no he hasn't discussed this he hasn't admitted or or denied i mean what tell us what what he has spoken to about this whether in court papers or in testimony or, or what i mean has he said anything about the killings no he he's never um admitted to anything 
Um, he said he was set up by the state. Um, there's too much evidence against him, I mean, to know he did it. I guess he thinks that if he doesn't admit it, he's not guilty of it. Maybe maybe deep in his sick mind he has <clears throat> a religious belief, maybe, that if he doesn't admit it, he won't go to hell. I don't know. I, But he, he won't talk about it. He won't do any interviews. And like I said, I think that's why he has not had the notoriety that some of these other, like Jeffrey Dahmer and those, have had. Which he, you know, he's just as bad as them. And it's not worse. Because he was convicted of 16 that they positively, but they think that he could have killed up to 65. Now, this was... Not to cut you off, but this is back in the 70s. This is right. before DNA became, right. you know, like a, a, a real science and a real um, exact uh, match. Uh, is there DNA evidence in this case or was that irrelevant? Um, not that I know of, but that would be irrelevant because he had personal belongings of people, of his victims. He had pictures um, that he had where he had taken them back to his garage, a uh, picture of them, and they're all on the same flowered couch where they appear that they're either drugged or dead or in the process of dying, and he posed them. I mean, there's so much evidence that, you know, DNA I don't think would make any difference. He had my brother's wallet and his jacket. Um, when they found him, he had pictures of my brother. Like I said, he had my brother for more than a few days and tortured him before he killed him. So, and, you know, they had a Facebook page up, and I lobbied and got it taken down, and they actually had pictures of some of the victims laying dead, and they had them on Facebook, and I, I had them removed because, you know, I don't want to look at that. Horrible. Just horrible. Yeah. You, you mentioned somebody getting away from from Kraft, from Randy Kraft, yeah. the serial killer, the scorecard killer. Um, who, who was that individual? Um, I can't think of his name right off the bat, but um, when I Google his name, it, it comes up, and a man had written an article that he had went to a motel with Randy Kraft. I'm assuming he went to have sex with him. I think he might have been um, a prostitute, and Randy Kraft was asking him to pose for some photographs, and he started posing for some photographs for him with his shirt off and stuff, and Apparently had gotten uneasy feelings about him and left, and Randy they found out later that he was a killer. But I, I can't tell you the name right off the bat, but there definitely is someone that wrote something about him getting away from him. You're hearing the voice of Teresa Wilson. She is the sister of the, the late Richard Allen Keith, who died at the uh, very young age of, of 20. Uh, he was a Marine at the hands of of the scorecard killer, Randy Kraft, and they call him the scorecard killer because uh, because he kept a scorecard, and they found it, I believe, in his uh, glove box, Teresa mentioned, glove compartment, and, uh, you know, obviously a very sick individual at every, uh, at every level, even as uh, serial killers go. Frank McKay here with Teresa Wilson. Uh, do you know how many men were listed on the scorecard? Um, on the scorecard itself, I think there was like 27 notations. Um, it was a front and back. Um, they have a book that they wrote about it. They actually have pictures of the scorecard. Um, but I'm, I'm not positive of the exact number, but I think it was like 25 or 27. 
But I know that he was definitely convicted of 16, and my brother was one of those 16. 27 notations. Uh, you know, I, I have to believe that um, that there's more than 16 that he's oh, yes. he's likely killed. Uh, do we? Do you have a number in your mind of how many lives uh, Randy Kraft took? I think that he's killed well over 60. Wow. He killed over a 20-year period that I know of. And from the research that I have done on him, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was over 60. And if he'd drive along and pick hitchhikers up and kill them and dump them on the side of the road like a piece of trash like he did my brother, he could have done that to tons of people that nobody cared about anymore, that, you know, drifters and such. That's, that's the bad thing, just like what's going on with the Long Island serial killer, the girls that people think nobody's caring about, but they do care about and they have families. So that I don't know. Well, to 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 uh, to get into you know, and again uh, and trying to be as sensitive as I I can. Uh, when did you and how did you find out that your brother was one of the victims? Well, actually, um, I had a younger brother named Frankie. Um, he was ill with cancer, and uh, Frankie died on the same day as Richard. And um, Richard had came to see me and went back to California. I was living in Indiana. He went back to California, and he had been missing for a few days, and we were calling um, his adopted family to let them know about our other brother that had passed away, and that's when they told us that they had found his body. So that's how I found out about it. I had two brothers die the same day. Oh, my gosh. You know, at at the... at the head of this is is the other story that you were you know all separated at at birth and ended up in different homes in different foster mm-hmm. homes and adopted homes. Uh, if you don't mind, let's let's uh, talk about that a little bit. I mean, that's is that's um, interesting all in itself, and uh, the idea that uh, that we're talking here because you're the the, the victim's sister of a, of a serial killer is how we get started. But how did how did you all get started? Who were who were your parents? Who were your biological parents? Um, my mother um, was from New York, from Levittown, and uh, she had six boys: um, an older daughter named Linda and me. And uh, she was a young Jewish girl and. Um, she was on her own. From what I understand, I don't think she ever married my father. And she couldn't, back way back in the 60s and early 70s, they didn't have welfare help and stuff. And we were all separated because she couldn't take care of us. And years later, my oldest sister, Linda, um, put a search out and she reunited all of us. And she found all six of the brothers. I didn't even know they existed. I was so young. And she reunited all of us. Like I said, we had just been back together for a short time, and then this happened. So we, there was six boys and two girls that were all separated. Is your sister Linda still with us? Yes. I, Linda and I live together, actually. Ah, yeah. See, that's wonderful. Wow. I, and yeah, yeah. She's a wonderful person. To be separated at birth, I, did you? did all of you or any of you have the same father? We all have the same father and the same mother, except for Linda. She has a different father. So I've always had the same father and mother. I, I never met my father, and my mother passed away when I was just seven, and I, I don't have any remembrance of her, just 
little tiny bits here and there. She was just 40 when she died. So, wow. Yeah, like, absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, the, uh, uh, the work that goes into something like that, Linda, you, you reuniting all of you. How old was she when that happened? She was in her 20s? Yes. Let's see. Linda was celebrating around all of Yeah, she said she was in her, she was around 21, she said, when, when she found all of us. She um, contacted the courthouse and they had the sealed adoption records, but she was able to locate all of us and we were spread out all over the place, but now we're all have been reunited. Yeah. I, I mean, um, the, the, the amount of work, I mean, I, I got to give Linda uh, tremendous credit there. I mean, the amount of work that, um, that would go into that. And I imagine the, the obstacles and the, um, confidentiality and all of that that you have to kind of cut through. I got to give uh, Linda a tremendous amount of credit for, uh, for, for sticking with it and getting all of you to finally together. Yes, she, she did. And it, it means a lot to us. She's, she's a wonderful person. And like I said, it makes it twice as bad because we were together, then we were separated. And then when we got back together right after that, he was killed shortly after that. And it just, it's very infuriating knowing we could have had a future together and he never had children or any kind of life. Never got married. He, he missed everything. Do you remember where you were and what was uh, going on in your life when you found out that you had these sisters and brothers? When I, I found out about my sister and brothers, yes, I, I was 13 years old and I was living in Indiana and my, the man that I thought was my father came in and showed me a picture and asked me if I recognized anyone in the picture. And the only person I recognized was my birth mother. Um, and he told me that those were my brothers and that my sister, uh, Linda, had found all of them. I had known about Linda my whole life, but I didn't know anything about the brothers. And she had found my brothers, and they wanted to meet me. And that's how it went from there. So it was quite a whirlwind, believe me. Wow. I mean, what a what a life for a 13-year-old and and your other siblings to um, to to deal with. I mean, the emotions and the, and the roller coaster. You know, first of all, I imagine uh, the joy and the uh, and and the excitement that came knowing that you have this family out there, and uh, and then at some point, I mean, it's uh, you know a lunatic, a, a, a you know a, a serial killer. Uh, takes one of the people out of the equation, and then on the same day to lose another brother to cancer. I mean, it's just what what a what an amazing uh, roller coaster. Well, it it was that there's always somebody worse off. That's the way I look at it. I'm there's always somebody that just has the worst time, and I'm very fortunate that I I have a loving sister, and I have a roof over my head, and food in my stomach, and I have my health and there's always somebody worse off that's the way i try to live my life and i try to help people so to give back because i believe in karma where was linda living when you uh, when you connected you were in indiana where was linda she was in kentucky she went to live with her birth father in kentucky when she was 13 she thought that um my father my biological father was her father and when they um Let's see. When let's see. When they separated, my my birth father, from what I'm knowing, I was just a small baby. I was only nine months old. Um, when he left, Linda said she wanted to go live with her father, and that's when 
her mother said, he's not your father, and that's when she found out that he was not her father. So she went to live with her birth father, and the rest of us went into the orphanage in Indiana, the soldiers and sailors home in Indiana. Well, listen, I, congratulations on that end of it. Uh, let me just remind people that we have about two minutes left with uh, a family member and, and her sister in the uh, background there and uh, thrilled that they found each other at, at such a young age, um, but were separated before that. And uh, our guest's name is Teresa Wilson. She is the sister of victim Richard Allen Keith, who was killed by serial killer and the scorecard killer, uh, Randy Kraft, and who still lives. Randy, the, the serial killer is alive, and he celebrated his, uh, his 72nd birthday recently with cupcakes with his family members. Uh, and again, something Richard Allen Keith would, uh, won't be able to do because he was taken from this world at 20 years old in 1978. And uh, as part of our list series, we're delving into some of the uh, the ideas that uh, that we don't always think about, and that's the victims and their families that are left behind. Uh, we've got about a minute left with uh, Teresa Will Wilson, Frank McKay here with the victim of one, the scorecard killer and one of the um, horrendous uh, serial killers out there. Uh, what can you point to as far as people – that want to follow up on this, that want to follow up on on the victims and any victims' rights that come along with something like this, uh, where can you point them to as, as a research? Obviously, everything starts with the internet. Where could people either find you if you want them to find you uh, or, or find any of uh, any victims' uh, helplines or family victims' helplines? Uh, where can you uh, steer us? Um. I would be happy to friend anyone on Facebook. I'm under Teresa Craft, C-R-A-F-T is my maiden name, and unfortunately that's the same name as Randy Craft, but his is with a K. That's my maiden name, and like I said, they can friend me on Facebook, or like I said, there's, there's lots of uh, support groups, boards out there on the internet for uh, family members of killers and such that I have joined. Um, discussion boards, open boards. That's where I have found them. Um, family advocates. They're, they're all over the internet. Listen, I, no relation, right? I'm um, the craft and the craft. No. Wow. No, mine is spelled C R A F T and his is K R A F T. People actually have asked me, you know, well, what do you feel like having the same name as him? And I'm like, listen, you know, that's not even my choice. I, I don't even like to say his name, but. That's the way it is. Just a bizarre coincidence. And uh, listen, right. I want to I thank you very much for uh, for being here with us. And maybe we can do a follow up and uh, and uh, hopefully we get some um, closure for the victims, families in Lisk, the Long Island serial killing. And hopefully there'll be a, a killer found one of these days. Uh, listen, I want to thank you very much, Teresa Wilson, for being here. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Teresa Wilson, Kraft, C-R-A-A-F-T, has been our very special guest. She's the sister of victim Richard Allen Keith, who was murdered in 78 as a 20-year-old Marine, and he was killed by the scorecard killer, Randy Kraft. And, and please check out her Facebook page, and feel free to reach out to her. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next week on our list, continuing list series on Breaking It Down. 